welcome to SOAR with Dr. Stephanie. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am a life coach and a physician, and I am here to use my voice to help sisters overcome and rise. We get to do this by discussing relevant topics and struggles that we all encounter in our lives with a focus on how we can overcome them by transforming our limiting beliefs into living our best lives. Today's topic is podcasts, politics, and prose. You may be wondering what these three things have in common. Actually, they have a lot in common because they are all modes of expression. And as we learned last Sunday, we need to use our voices because we can no longer afford to stay silent. Our sisters, our children, our communities and the world need for us to speak up because what each of us has to say is valuable. The podcasts are outpacing traditional radio in their growth. And it seems that there is still more room for growth in the podcast industry. One of the beauties of podcasting is that many voices that normally don't have a platform can pretty easily get one. So we get to hear from a variety of people, not just news anchors and pundits on mainstream media, which is like a breath of fresh air. The other great thing about podcasting is that you can develop your own niche. You have podcasts about subjects as specific as mobile home park investing to any topic that you might be interested in. So there's mass appeal because whatever you're interested in, you can find a podcast on that subject. I love that anyone can use their voice to educate and to share knowledge. But just like with anything else, it takes work to create and produce a high quality podcast. Today, we'll get to talk to someone who has a high quality podcast with over 112,000 live listeners, and we'll be able to learn how she did it. Our guest also has expertise in the area of politics, because politics has pretty much invaded our daily lives just due to the federal leadership or lack thereof. We will also talk to her about what has become one of our favorite topics, politics. We will get to hear from a political player how politics plays a role in our everyday lives and how we can use politics with a small p in our everyday lives to get what we need at work and life in general. So if you think you may have something to say and you want to be heard, this show is for you. You can learn how to do that with a podcast, through becoming politically active, or through writing. As women, we tend to be more shy about letting our voices be heard. So yes, you, I am talking to you. We need to hear what you have to say. So stay tuned for the discussion. By the end of this show, you will have the tools to choose your medium of expression and you will feel more empowered to soar. I'm really excited to dive into our topic of podcast politics and prose because I want to learn how to host a fantastic podcast that people enjoy listening to and that adds value to people's lives. And I suspect that there are many people out there who feel the same way. But the other exciting thing is just exploring all of the ways we're using our voices and to encourage other women who may want to do the same. My guest for today is perfect for this topic. You will want to hear everything that she has to say. Just wait until you hear her speak and you'll understand why basically this topic was created with her in mind and created for her. So I want you to think about how these things relate to you. Are you a podcast listener? Are you somebody who wants to create a podcast? Candace Dotson Reed serves as the Chief of Staff and Executive Director of the Office of Equity and Inclusion at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, where she is the first black female Chief of Staff in the 56 years history of the university. Prior to her appointment in 2018, she was the AVP of Communications and Public Affairs at UMBC, a Vice President at the Greater Baltimore Committee and for almost eight years served as the Deputy Chief of Staff for Howard County Government. In 2012, Candace founded the African American Roundtable of Howard County, and she co-hosts a podcast called Elevate Maryland. She graduated from the Institute for Education Management at the Harvard University Graduate School of Education, and she is a proud mother of a college junior. There's a lot more I could tell you about Candace, 
but I'll let you, her tell you herself. Welcome to SOAR and thank you so much for joining me. And I also wanted to say congratulations on all of the exciting things you have going on. You're one of the daily record top 100 women in Maryland. That is fantastic. Uh, you, you just, you're welcome. You just hosted a virtual happy hour to kick off the women's giving circle. And you are a co-host of a thriving podcast. Um, so the topic today is podcast politics and prose. So first tell us about how your podcast elevate Maryland. Uh, how did it come to be? How long have you been hosting it? Sure. First, I have to say thank you for having me on and thank you for all that you do to lift and elevate the voices of women. I, I think uh, this is fantastic. I've listened to your show um, and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about myself and about politics and about podcasts, um, things that I'm really excited about. Um, and as they say, empowered women, empower women. So thank you for that. Um, so, and thank you also for the acknowledgement about the uh, Daily Record Top 100 Women. I always say to folks that, you know, I don't do things to get accolades, and yet it's still nice to to be acknowledged for uh, your work in the community. That that award is about uh, mentoring and community service, things that are really important to me. And so, it was truly an honor to uh, to receive that. So, the podcast. Um, Elevate Maryland. It's uh, it, it start. We started it about three years ago. I have a co-host, Tom Cole, and we originally started it for two reasons. One is that I thought there was a void in the podcast space in Howard County and more broadly in Maryland, and thought we could uh, enter that space and, and do some some interesting things. And two um, was the idea of elevating uh, voices that are underrepresented in our community mm. and in the state. And so, you know, while we started off being a political podcast, we've opened it up a little bit more. And what we like to say is that we are trying to build community and present solutions and elevate voices. And so Love as it. we approached, yeah, thanks, thanks. As we approached our third anniversary, which was in April, we really thought about the types of guests that we wanted to have on the show, who not only are talking about and grappling with the real big challenges in society. So if we talk about, you know, the gaps in education, or if we talk about uh, health disparities or uh, other sort of big issues, poverty that, that we're all grappling with in, in the state and in the country. But also we wanted folks to talk about solutions. And so we have some real heavy hitters on the show that come and talk with us about uh, the things that they're doing to really address these big issues. And, you know, we um, sometimes are, you know, get into a little bit of a, a, a back and forth with folks on social media about our show um, because we are unapologetic in having thoughtful, spirited dialogue about these topics. And um, and I think it's important. And so, you know, it's 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 fun. We've been having a good time doing this and hope to do it for uh, for even longer. Yeah, definitely. It's important to have those those conversations. And I love what you said about elevating voices that are not normally heard. That's very much in line with what I like to do on this show, just to elevate voices that are not normally heard. So mm -hmm. kudos to you for that big mission that you have and that you've been <laughs> successful for almost three years. That that That's a big accomplishment in the podcast world. Thank you. So, I appreciate that. Yeah. I know one of the things that I was really excited about since your podcast is so successful is just kind of the logistics of it. Um, many of us, like myself, are looking to start our own podcast. And so we want to know what it takes to run one successfully. How many people actually work with you on it? What equipment do you use? How do you get it set up? All of that logistics stuff. <laughs> I like this question. Um, and you'll laugh because, um, it, it's only me and Tom <laughs> that work on the podcast. Okay. And so, <laughs> yes. Um, and so, um, we, we used to have a producer, um, and we just uh, stopped working with her about a year ago. And Tom figured out how to use the technology to help us produce the podcast. And so, um, I, I'm laughing because I, I have nothing to do with that part of the actual show. Although I do know the way that he does it, and particularly since we're remote now, is that um, he records it and Facebook and shows it on Facebook Live at the same time that he's recording it and then downloads the podcast. We were found on iTunes. 
um, and Libsum and, uh, and one other platform. Um, but, but the piece of it that's interesting for us is that because our podcast started off as a, um, a live show last year, um, mm-hmm. we've had to take it, um, into the virtual space. And so initially we were doing live podcasts with an actual audience, um, and mm-hmm. recording at the same time and then uploading it to the, to the various podcast networks. Um, but now we're using Zoom and showing it on Facebook Live and recording it, which has been uh, an interesting logistical challenge uh, that Tom has, has worked out. And so I am the marketing person and the PR person for our podcast, and Tom <laughs> is the technical person. Um, so that's why I was chuckling when you asked that question. <laughs> that That's a nice combination you have. You're yes, working towards exactly. your strengths, and he's working towards his strengths. So. Exactly. Uh, so that's great. Okay. Yeah. So the other piece of it, yeah, we do use Zoom. We we uh, we use Zoom now uh, that we're home and doing this virtually. The other piece I wanted to mention too is that you know our guests are we we try to work with them to figure out the best platform that works for them, and, and we found that it's Zoom. Um, and um, while we do just about everything else together um, between deciding what you know, guests come on the show and the scripts, um, we, we do segregate that part portion with the, the technical piece and, and, um, and the marketing piece. So is your podcast weekly and how much preparation, because you're talking about the scripts and the guests, how much preparation would you say goes into each episode? Um, so we try to do the podcast every other week. And um, sometimes we we find that we need to do it more frequently. Um, like around election time, we had uh, the mayoral candidates on when the, the Baltimore mayor's race was uh, was happening. And we certainly wanted to get all of them on. And so we did podcast weekly at that point. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, we had the gubernatorial candidates when uh, Maryland's governor's race uh, a couple of years ago um, was on the forefront of the uh, or was in the news. And so we wanted to make sure that we got them all on so our, our listeners could really hear what they had to say and so that we could ask them, you know, thoughtful questions about why they were running for governor. And so we did weekly shows then, but generally we try to do our shows every other week. And the prep is, um, is pretty significant. And, you know, we do quite a bit of research to, um, Mm -hmm. to, to really make sure that we're asking questions that allow them not only to talk about, you know, their plans for, uh, for office or some solutions that they're working on for these big challenges that I was talking about, but also so that our listeners can get to know them a little better. Um, and so mm-hmm. we ask some personal fun questions as well so that we can, you know, oftentimes folks will come on with the, with their script and they know exactly what they're going to say about their organization, <laughs> about their candidacy. And we're like, no, that we want to draw out, um, some about your personality as well, in addition to, uh, to what you're working on. And so, I would say our our um, prep time for each show, including the script writing, is probably an hour to to an hour and a half for each show. Okay, okay, awesome. So that's encouraging to me because it takes me forever to, to prep my shows, <laughs> and so I guess once I get good and I've been doing it for three years, I'll be able to get that time down. So that, you will that's hit a- your stride. You will definitely hit your stride. <laughs> Um, so the, the last question I wanted to ask about the podcast before we move into politics is what is the most challenging aspect of doing the podcast and how have you overcome that? It's a great question. I think the most challenging aspect is making sure that we're choosing guests who are, um, who are really thoughtful about their approach in looking at our community. Um, Mm. And, you know, I say that and, you know, you could make the argument that there are many people who are thoughtful about their approach, but we really want to focus on, as we mentioned, folks who are looking at these big issues that we're all grappling with and really um, wanting to make a difference in how they approach the issues. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche to say um, an innovative approach to something, but, you know, but we're in a pandemic right now, and I would argue we're in two pandemics with, you know, the racial yes. strife that's that's happening in our country right now as well. It's not new, but it's it's 
heightened after the, mm-hmm. the murder of George Floyd and many others. And so, the, you know, I was saying to a friend recently, the same things that we have done for the past, you know, however many years may not be what we need to do moving forward as we come out of these challenges that we're facing. And I really want to talk with guests and talk with people on our podcast who are thinking differently about how we approach things moving forward. And um, it, it's not, you know, it's not going to be the same old thing once we you know, come out of this, these, these challenges we're dealing with. And I really want to talk with people who understand that and who want to make sure that we're doing the right things in whatever leadership position they're in, or even if they're not in in an official leadership position, but that we're doing things differently and doing the right things to address um, the issues and to make things better for everyone. And so I think the challenge is finding uh, those types of guests and asking them the questions um, that we need to ask to make sure we draw out uh, those types of innovative solutions and answers. Mm, that's a great point. Um, we're, we're in a situation that we've never been before. So it's going to take solutions that we've never done before, or maybe not even mm-hmm. thought of before to, to get us out of this. So, uh, it's, it's that, true. It's so true. If you think about, um, and I know we're going to go to politics for a minute, but if you think about, um, education and, um, and we're thinking about this, I work in higher education and we're thinking about how this pandemic and how this racial strife challenges us to look in the mirror and do things a little bit better and a little bit different. Right. And so, and so, you know, those are the kinds of conversations I want to have, not just at work, but also on our podcast. If you look at K through 12 education, there, there it's for sure. Kids are, um, are going to be behind when, when we Mm -hmm. return to school in some sort of normal fashion. And so, what are you doing, you know, for example, superintendent, or what are you doing? We had John King on the show, who's former education secretary to President Obama and now heads up Education Trust. And, you know, what are you doing to look at where we are now and where we need to be um, in the future and what we need to do for for kids and for college students and um and how we prepare them now for this different world that we're living in and how we frankly prepare them to be thinkers and how we prepare them to interact with, if you're looking at the racial strife piece of this, how do you prepare kids and what do you do on campuses or in K through 12 um, settings to prepare them to interact with people who may not look like them, who may love someone who is different from who they love or who may worship differently than they do. And those are the big challenges. And, and you know, we just want to make sure that we're having folks on the podcast who address them and talk about them and are looking at the innovative ways to to uh, to deal with them. Well, I appreciate that you take that so seriously, because I, I definitely believe that that's what we need. And for you to bring that out as your most challenging aspect, of course, I'm thinking technical, but um <laughs> It really speaks to your commitment and your passion for what you do and for what you do in the community, which is which is really a large part of who you are. And as we talk about the community, that's a good segue into politics. Um, yes. We will be right back with SOAR after this break. Ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed, yes. Living every moment, no regrets. Smile up on my face, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm blessed, yes, I'm blessed, yes. Waking up, thanking God. Every day is feeling just like Sunday. Wifey fly, by my side. Green light, everything is going my way. Riding clean. Living dreams, just left the barber and I'm feeling like Midas. Heard him say, give him praise. What's in the water got you acting like this? In a day gone by, that I don't try to thank the Lord up above. And if you wonder why I'm loving life, come close and I tell you what's up. Ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed. Yes, living every moment, no regrets. Smile up on my face, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm blessed. Yes, I'm blessed. Yes, ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed. Yes, living every moment, no regrets. 
blessed, yes, I'm blessed, yes. Playing cards, laughing hard, barbecuing, waking up the whole block. Music loud, turning out, little kids are breaking out the bus stop. Life is good, really good, and every moment, no, I can't forget. I gotta say, I won't change. You're the reason that I am like this In a day go by that I don't try To thank the Lord up above And if you wonder why I'm loving life Come close and I'll tell you what's up Ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed, yes Living every moment, no regrets Smile up on my face, I'm like, oh Yes, I'm blessed, yes, I'm blessed, yes Ask me how I'm doing, I'm blessed, yes Living every moment, no regrets Smile up on my face, I'm like, oh Yes, I'm blessed, yes, I'm blessed Yes, I'm blessed I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed If you got a roof over your head Bringing home the bread Got your family fed Oh, 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 you're blessed Sunshine, I'm so free Living out my dreams God's been good to me Welcome back to SOAR on Urban 95. I know you're passionate about politics and you're definitely a mover and a shaker in local politics. And um, so how does politics relate to your podcast? You've talked about it a little bit already, but is there any other ways that politics relates to your podcast? Thanks for that. Um, Yes. I mean, I think um, I'll first say that I think local and state politics are so important national as well yes especially right now with the uh the major challenge we have in leadership at the federal level Mm -hmm. um but i think local and state politics and i've said this for years are you know the, the decisions that local and state elected officials make really impact families if you think mm-hmm. about the Board of Education, which is, you know, a local elected office and the decisions that they make that affect students who are who are in, you know, K through 12 grades in our community. Or you think about the county council and the Howard County Council, for example, and the decisions that they make on anything related to taxes or even potholes in your <laughs> in front of your house. Right. <laughs> yes. The, the local and state elected officials really affect how you live and how a community thrives or doesn't thrive. And so when we think about the podcast and, and the guests that we invite on, you know, we have had a number of local and state elected officials, whether they be from the county councils from across the state um, and, and in the city, or if they're state delegates or state senators. Um, and, you know, we, we want to ask them questions. You know, you talk about the big challenges, right? And then you also talk about the, the smaller Smaller isn't it the right word. I guess the more localized challenges and, and how they address them. And so we think that's important to point out as well is that, you know, yes, we can talk about the big national things. Yes, we can talk about, you know, the, the big national issues. Poverty is an issue that's everywhere. But also we yeah. want to talk with guests about, you know, what's happening, the hyper local things that are happening in our communities and um, and how you build community and shape community based on the the person who's who's elected as the county executive for example or the mayor um and how you deal with frankly you know when we had the mayoral candidates on uh from baltimore city you know the question we're asking them is is the question that many folks are asking is how do you how do you get control of the 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 major challenge and the the bad reputation that 
Baltimore uh-huh. City has as it relates to crime. And, in, and sometimes it's an unfair uh, assessment of the city, but there are real challenges related to crime. And so I think it's important to have local and state elected officials on the podcast to talk about those things as well. And sometimes we ask them about the national things too. I mean, like for a while we had a, a run where we were asking them, um, and this is before uh, Vice President Biden became the uh, presumptive Democratic nominee for president. We had uh, we had them on and asking them about that, like, who's your person? Who's your guy right. or gal for <laughs> at the national level? And so sometimes we'll talk, you know, with the local folks about national issues. But most of the time, most of the time, it's about um, about the really hyper local issues that uh, and challenges and opportunities, frankly, that communities face and how they go about building community. And our listeners really love those shows. Those are some of our most popular shows. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Like you said, that's something that impacts our daily lives. And we get to have an up close and personal conversation through the podcast that, you know, we may not get a chance to go to a town hall or something like that. So uh, that's that's definitely a service to the community. I was going to ask you how you find your guests for your podcast, but (laughs) it sounds like we've heard that you invite a lot of local and uh, state politicians on. So I'm going to change the question to how do you get them to agree to come on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. And some have not, I will say. <laughs> there, there have been some who have said, no, you know, I think you're going to ask me you know, some sort of hard question. And I, I will say this, we try to ask you know, difficult questions, but fair questions. There's, we're not going to have anyone on the show and badger them because I don't think that that's the right thing to do. And you certainly, if if we're saying we want to talk about these, you know, challenging situations and, and look at solutions, the way to, to get someone talking about it is not by badgering them or asking them, mm-hmm. you know, any kind of disparaging question. We actually had former mayor um, of Baltimore, Sheila Dixon on the show, and one of our listeners wanted us to badger her about the gift card situation when she right. stepped down as being mayor. And I was like, that's not productive. You know, that's not how we carry our show. And it's not how we want to carry our show. We're going to ask the hard questions, but we're not going to badger our guests about, you know, situations like that or personal situations. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I will say this too. I want to say that we have been really blessed to have many wonderful guests on. And I know most of our shows, as you mentioned, have been uh, with local and state politicians, but we we had a a run that was interesting with some national folks as well. And folks who, um, who are beyond the local and state um, races. We had John King, as I mentioned, who's former education secretary under president Obama Mm -hmm. on the show. Um, who now is the CEO of the, Educa- the EduTrust, um, which is a national uh, organization focused on equity and educa- education. We had Cecilia Munoz on the show, um, mm. who wrote a fantastic book called More Than Ready. I recommend that to everybody. I've said this probably 20 times in the last <laughs> two weeks. Um, and it's about, um, it's, a, it's, it's a kind of a guidebook for women of color in leadership positions. And it's a wonderful book. And she's the, um, she was uh, one of the highest ranking Latinx officials in the uh, White House under President Obama. We had Congressional District 7 Congressman Kwesi and Fuming on the show and candidates Maya Rockmore Cummings and Terry Hill and mm-hmm. Joe Carter. I mentioned we had gubernatorial candidates on the show. We had Ben Jealous on the show, who was, uh, who was great. And that was a great interview. Um, and then, you know, as we mentioned, the mayoral candidates and local and state uh, rock stars. And then we had, um, interestingly enough, we had a producer from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the show. Oh, nice. And yeah, it was great. It was a really good show. He happened to go to law school with uh, my podcast partner, Tom, and he was great. And uh, and we had Minnesota AG Keith, uh, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison on the show as well, who's in the news now for uh, for his, um, he's leading the, the investigation of the, um, the murder of George Floyd. And so, um, you know, we, yeah, so we're, we're really fortunate and, um, and I I think I'm, I'm not remembering what your original question was, but, um, but yeah, we've been really fortunate and blessed to be able to have so many wonderful guests on 
Oh, and your question was about how we get them to come on. Um, I'm, I'm not sure yet. We're lucky. <laughs> blessed. Um, you know, but we, um, I, I think part of it has to do with the track record. And if we send someone a previous show and say, you know, this is how we handle our interviews. And, you know, here's some of the questions that we want to ask you, or here's some of the topics that we'd like to discuss. And, um, you know, the other piece of it that's attractive to folks is our viewership. We do about 1500 to 2000 uh, views of our Facebook wow. live posts, and then about 1500 to 2000 downloads of the show. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's attractive to folks as well, but mostly, you know, we promise to, to not be, uh, to not badger them, but to ask mm-hmm. hard questions and look at, you know, the, the hard issues and, and um, provide a platform for them to talk about this. Yeah, no, you definitely answered the question. You more than answered the question. Because I was going to say, do you have personal connections with all of these people or do you mm. just kind of look up um, A.G. Keith Ellison's email and just shoot him <laughs> an email and say, hey, come on my podcast. But um, I love how you describe that you send them some of the questions you'd like to ask. You send them a previous episode and you give them some information about your podcast, like your viewership. So I think mm-hmm. that that's something helpful for us who are new in the podcasting arena and thinking about how we want to approach getting some of these um, busy and, you know, more prominent guests onto our podcast. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, and, and most of them are personal relationships, right? Like that is certainly helpful. And, um, and I always say to people, if there's someone I know who, you know, who you want to interview or someone, some way I can make a connection to someone who I may know who knows someone, um, then yeah. Um, I like to be helpful in that way as well, because the personal relationships, as we know, are so important. And usually if you make that personal connection, you know, the person knows you're not setting them up to say something, you know, to ask them something truly difficult or or, uh, or challenging on the show. Yeah. Networking is is really important. So as someone who is very involved with local politics, what advice would you give? There may be some listeners out here who want to get involved either by helping a local politician or who may even want to run for office, what advice would you give to them? Hmm. Um, so my advice always is, and it's so funny because if, if anyone listens to the show who I've worked with on uh, political campaigns, they'll say, Candace will just say, do it. <laughs> if you're smart and you're thoughtful and you have good ideas, you should just do it. Um, and, and it's funny. I was on a, a call with Emerge Maryland last night, which is a, uh, a, an organization that trains women to run for office. And one of the things I was t- thinking of as we got off the call is that um, in Emerge, we learned that it, it, it takes women seven times to be asked to run for office before they even consider it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's not the same with men, right? And, you know, men just, <laughs> this is no bash on men whatsoever, but men will just say, I can do this and run for office regardless as to, to whether or not some may feel they're qualified. And so, um, so my advice always is, is, is twofold. One is I'll always ask someone, why do you want, want to run for office? Like what, what's your, what's the issue that you want to change? What are you passionate about? Why do you want to run for office? And usually you can tell from that as to whether or not they're really interested. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, you know, are you prepared to um, to stand up for these things that you're passionate about? Right. Because normally if someone wants to run for office, they say they, they see someone in office who's not doing things the way that they would do things or there's a big issue they want to address. I remember talking with um, now delegate Courtney Watson about her uh, first run for school board and there was an issue and she wanted to address the issue. And she said the issue, the, you know, the needs weren't being made by the current uh, elected official. And she said, well, I can do better than that. And so I should run and try to make the change that I want to see. And so mm-hmm. she was passionate about an issue and then really believed that she could make a change. And she did. She won. And and now she's a delegate. So that has worked out for her. Um, but, but yeah, really to look at you know, what you're passionate about, why you want to run, what what issues do you want to address? How can you make a change? And then look at your network. We talked a little bit about how important networking is. You know, look at your network. How can you connect with the folks who can connect you with current electeds, for example, to talk about uh, what it's like to run or what it's like to be in that office? Do a little bit of research um, mm-hmm. and then do it. 
as I said. Just do it. <laughs> do yeah, it. just do we, it. We need more great people in the pipeline and more great people in elected office to really make a difference. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. We're coming out of this pandemic. Like, let's have some people elected who are ready to do things a little bit differently. Yeah, so just I it. love it. So we got three steps there. Think about why you want to run. What's the issue? Um, are you prepared for what it's going to take? Use your network and then just do it. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. And you can so, call me if you want to or call me or send me a message. I'm I'm more than willing to, to have that conversation. And, um, I get excited about people who want to, to make a difference in their community. So where can they reach you if they want to reach out to you and they're interested? Um, how can they reach you? That's a great question. So I'm on all social media platforms and that's one way to do it. Um, but I'd be happy to share my email address, which is cdodreed at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. I'd be happy to talk with you. Great. Thank you for offering your personal as- assistance. Sure. So as I think about politics, politics is not always about the federal, state or local government. Many of us experience politics in corporate America or in the nonprofit sector. And I know from personal experience that universities are also very political. So I'm sure that your political savvy helps you in one of the other hats that you wear as the chief of staff for, and please correct me if I get this title wrong, diversity and inclusion at UMBC. I think, is that the correct title? Um, A little bit different. I'm chief of staff to the president and the executive director of equity and inclusion, the equity and inclusion office at UMBC. Okay, perfect. So how do you handle politics in that area of your career? (laughs) Yeah. So um, that's absolutely right. There there are politics everywhere, right? Small P politics Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, And if people don't believe that, then I'm not sure why. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, I was saying to someone uh, a a couple of months ago who I work with at the university that um, university politics are even more challenging than politics, politics, right? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, I think the the way that I handle it and and hopefully I do a good job at this is I first listen, right? And I I did this in government as well when I worked um, in Howard County government and in other positions that I had. You know, the most important thing to me to do is listen, because there are going to be many points of view and many perspectives, and that's okay. And you might not even agree with all of them. But if you don't listen to where folks are coming from and sort of meet them where they are to start, Mm -hmm. um, then you you can't get anywhere. And so that's that's the first thing I do to to navigate the politics in at work now or anywhere. Um, And then the second thing is to try to find some commonality, some kind of common ground. Most of us want the same thing, right? For the most part, um, there are some folks who are extreme, but for the most part, we all want the same thing. And if you're thinking about the university, we, we all want the university to be successful. We want students to be successful. We want the students to do well. We want to have collegial relationships with each other. Um, we want to do our best at work, right? Most people, that's what they want, whether they're mm-hmm. faculty, staff, or or even students at, at UMBC in this example. And And I would say more broadly in the community, that's what we all mostly want the same thing. And so find that commonality. And then the third thing is, you know, sometimes you have to say no. But I think once you you listen and find that commonality and you've built that relationship, you have some sort of relationship where they know that you're not um, that you don't have bad intentions right, Um, or ill intentions. Once you have those relationships, if you have to say no, which you do, we all do. Um, sometimes you just can't do things. You know, I like to say, um, and I get this from Freeman Rabowski, who is, uh, who is my boss, you know, let's see what, what's possible. So after I'm listening and, you know, after we find some common ground, let's see what's possible. And sometimes something's not possible. And so delivering that news or delivering the no in a, in a thoughtful, gentle way is, has been my approach. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, thank you for, for, you know, your thoughts on X, Y, Z. Here is why we can't do that at this time. Or here's another way that we'd like to approach this. What do you think about this? And I've usually found that that's the best way that I can deal with the politics and deal with the, you know, different personalities and deal with competing interests um, at the university and beyond. That is a wonderful answer. And you deliver it so well. If you said no to me like that, I'd be like, oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's so 
funny that you say that because I can remember a time where, um, you know, there's the community in Howard County that really wanted, uh, I think it was a library, like a new library, right? And I had gone to many community meetings and I, I did my listening thing and I took copious notes and, you know, built a relationship there and they trusted me. I, I told them, I was like, you know, you all are my eyes in this community. I can't be everywhere. And I was deputy chief of staff at the time. And I said, you know, I, I have to be in the office and navigating different things in the office, but you all are my eyes in the community. And so I'm listening to you. Um, and I hear your concerns and I know you want a library, but here's why we can't do that. But I had had that relationship already with them. I'd spent a lot of time with them. And they said, you're telling us no. And like, we're laughing. There was laughter and we were you know, talking <laughs> about things. And they're like, why are we laughing? You're telling us no. And I was like, well, I'm not really telling you no. I'm saying it's not possible at this time. And I said, but we have a relationship and I hope that we continue this relationship, even though I'm saying we're not putting a library there right now. So. <laughs> yes, I totally get why they were laughing. Uh, it comes across right. very smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know I was reading one of your social media posts and you mentioned that you were on a call with other chiefs of staff. And mm -hmm. on that particular call, you noticed that you were the only black chief of staff. Mm -hmm. So clearly your role is necessary and everybody in the diversity and equity and inclusion field, their, their work is, is still ongoing. But what does it feel like for you being the only one at times? And how do you deal with the burden of being the only one at the table? Mm. That's such a good question. You know, I, I, I keep saying, I hope we get to a point where, where we're no longer talking about the first black woman this or the first black woman that or the first black mm -hmm. man this or, you know, the first person of color to do X, Y, Z. We're not there yet as a country um, and, and certainly not there yet in, in different sectors of work. And so, you know, it, it, um, I don't love it. Right. And I am the first black woman chief of staff at UMBC in the 53 year history of UMBC. Wow. And I'm proud about that. I do. I, I'm proud, really proud, to be honest, and have had conversations with students, particularly black women who say, I'm so happy that you're there. And it makes me think that I can be there as well. And so when I think about those kind of conversations and think about uh, what it means when a faculty member of color says the same thing. And when I think about what it means to uh, have my daughter see me in that role, it becomes a little bit less of a burden uh, and more of a responsibility um, to do well. You know, we all had <laughs> the parents who told us, you've got to be better and work harder and smarter, right? And that's, mm -hmm. It's unfair, right? That, it, that's an unfair burden to feel at times because yes. you want to think that, yeah, you want to think that we're all created equal and, um, and, and people will treat us in that way. And so that is an unfair burden. And at the same time, I try to often look at opportunities with the blessings that I have received. And, and it's certainly a blessing to be Freeman Rabowski's chief of staff. And so I try to look at the blessings and I try to look at the opportunities. And with that, I think about the kid, you know, who sat in my office and said, I'm so glad you're here. I think about the fact that as we were going through some challenges, which um, and student protests, and the result of that was the Title IX and Human Relations offices moving under my purview. That's now the Office of Equity and Inclusion. And I think oh, about great. when I said Thanks. Yeah. I think about when I sat down with, with a student who, um, who talked about her experience, um, being through a sexual assault situation. And when I looked in her eyes and she said, I'm so glad one that you're a woman in this position, because I think you just will have a different level of empathy. And I was like, okay, I appreciate that. And she said, and you're a black woman. And she's like, for me, that just means so much more. She said, I know you will take care of this office and these issues. And, and I said, I, I appreciate that. It felt a little bit overwhelming, uh, but yeah. I, I told her, I said, I, I thank you for trusting me with this. And I thank the university for trusting me with this. I, I've had the conversation with Freeman where I said, thank you for, you know, trusting me to do this work. And so I'm going to look at it as not being a burden and look at it as an opportunity for me to do something for our students, faculty, and staff, and and an opportunity for me to be an example to my daughter and other young Black women on on how to handle 
these big challenges and how to handle being the only one. And so that's, that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Doesn't always feel like that because as you said, I, I pointed out on Twitter that I was the only one, but, but hopefully that also provokes folks and, and gets folks to think about what, what they're doing and to look around the room and see how many black folks or how many people of color are at the table. And so sometimes I do that to be a little bit provocative and, um, and get folks thinking, hopefully. That was beautiful. And it's very appropriate for, for this show because the purpose is to shift limiting beliefs into living your best life. And the, the limiting mm-hmm. belief is that it is a burden to be the only one at the table, but you have successfully shifted that to a very empowering belief that this is an opportunity. Yes, it's a responsibility, but it's an opportunity. And that feels so much lighter, right? Than thinking of it mm-hmm. as a burden. Yeah. So that it does. that's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it really does. And I think that's important because otherwise it, it, it weighs you down. <laughs> but it's important <laughs> to point out. I do want to say like, that's why I tweeted it. It is important to point that out. Yeah. Definitely um, pointed out so people are aware and are constantly looking to to move forward and make progress in that area. So you are outspoken on Twitter and on other social media. And (laughs) we love to give black women a platform to share. And we encourage all of our sisters to speak up and not allow ourselves to be silent. And and you do that very well. And you share on social media, you share in your podcast, but I know you're also a writer. And so (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'd like to hear about how you share and what what you're writing about. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, So first, I have to say, I appreciate you saying that I'm outspoken. I, I hope I do it in a in a kind, thoughtful way, because I'm trying not to be, you know, this is sad that we even have to think about this, but sometimes you get Mm -hmm. the angry black woman moniker, right? And I don't want that. And I I want people to, because sometimes that makes folks shut down. And so I'm trying to be, um, I know I keep saying the word thoughtful, but I am trying to be thoughtful in my approach on social and how I talk about these, these issues that we're grappling with and the systemic racism that continues to plague our our country and our, our, our world. You definitely so do not come that. across as angry. So just thank you. Put that to I, rest. I, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> I do appreciate that. I will say too, my, you know, I, I like to talk a little bit about stories because um, my dad, you know, who is phenomenal, best dad ever, you know, he gets that award, <laughs> talked about recently, you know, he was talking about Martin Luther King and he said he was very active during the civil rights movement in the 60s. And he said, um, you know, I did all of that so that you know, my kids, and we weren't even born, but my future kids didn't have to do that. And he said, it's, it's mm. sad that we're like at this place again, where you feel like you have to lift your voice in that way. And, you know, and who knows, are people actually listening to your voice? And what I said to my dad, and this goes back to the burden thing is I, like, I appreciate that dad. And I love that you did that because that what you did is so much part of my DNA and my brother's DNA. Mm. And right now it's a time in our history where we unfortunately have to do that again. And I'm an adult and I have a voice and I have a platform and I should be doing that. And so I feel like it's, it's out of respect to my father and mother and the way that I was raised um, to make sure that I'm uh, elevating to use the, the, uh, (laughs) the conversation and elevating you know, these issues so that we talk about them. It, it can't, we can't just go back to normal. We can't stop talking about these things. You know, I think, um, I feel a little bit of a shift. I'm being optimistic in that, but I, I'm encouraged by, uh, the young kids now who are, who are elevating their voices. We had some young kids on the show actually who planned the march in Howard County to speak up for Black Lives and to talk about why Black Lives Matter to them. And I'm, I'm so um, just honored to, to even be a part of their world and learn from them. Yeah. And so that's why I'm outspoken. I think it's important for this next generation to know that we have their back and they're lifting their voices. And we as adults should be like, yeah, we I'm, I'm lifting, I'm elevating your voice and also um, talking about these issues in, in, in the ways that I can. So anyway, so so I say all of that to say I'm also writing. I am writing. Uh, I, I did a little bit of poetry. Um, 
I have not shared oh. that yet. Uh, yeah, I, I'm debating whether or not I share it. It's a, it's a poetry about lifting my my voice as a black woman, and um, you know, sort of what's behind this black skin that you see, um, and you know, what goes on in my brain and my heart and my mind and uh, body. And um, so, I'm a little bit hesitant to share that one, but I might. I might, I might do it. And then I'm mm-hmm. writing a little bit about my chief of staff role and what it's like to be the chief of staff for Freeman Rabowski and leading through uh, crisis and what he's done to empower me in that role um, and um, and how all of these things happening at the same time have uh, have enhanced my leadership abilities. And, and, and I guess my, you know, you know, something's there, but you someone elevates you and empowers mm-hmm. you and sort of takes you to the next level. And that's what, uh, that's what, you know, Freeman has done for me. And so I'm writing a little bit about that. And then I'm going to write a piece about, and actually looking to get that published hopefully soon. And then going to write a piece about, um, about starting the new office of equity and inclusion and mm-hmm. the process that we took to get where we are, which was a very inclusive process. And, talk a little bit about, I'll write a little bit about, I'll probably co-write this, but we'll write a little bit about why it's important to be inclusive as you create mm-hmm. the Office of Equity and Inclusion. That sounds simple, but not everyone is doing that. And so I think I'll, I'll, I'll write a little bit uh, about that as well. Those both sound extremely interesting. And I love the variety from from poetry to um, <laughs> an article that will help right. other academics start their equity and inclusion offices with some inclusion and equity. <laughs> so, uh, wow, yeah, you I'm, are I'm, busy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I am, but it's, it's like a, it's a good busy. And, you know, I'm trying to, it's so funny, you know, when you talk about balance, I don't think there's anything like if someone has reached balance and you're busy too, and you have a lot of things, I'm impressed with all that you juggle. But, you know, when people talk about balance, no, there's never balance. But I, I think uh, I think I'm trying to get as close to balance as I can. And so I am saying no to some things now. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, symbiosis is, is what I think yeah. about it. A, a cell that functions well in symbiosis. Um, exactly. <laughs> so this has been a fascinating interview. I just want to give you an opportunity if there are any last minute thoughts or pearls that you want to share with our audience. And then again, if you wouldn't mind sharing either your social media or how people can reach out to you. Sure. Um, yeah, no, thank you for this, Stephanie. I really um, love what you're doing with the show. And as I mentioned in the beginning, love how you're giving women a platform to talk about these important issues. And um I just think it's so, so important. And I hope you have many, many listeners and continue to grow your podcast. And if there's any way that I can be helpful, please let me know for sure. Um, Thank you. you know, we belong to a, a women's group together and talk about, you know, talk about these things. And if there's any way that I can be supportive, um, I'd love to be supportive of you. What I'll just end with is, um, you know, as you mentioned, I have, you know, a lot going on. <laughs> I have a podcast. I have a job that I love dearly that keeps me busy. I am a mother. I'm writing. I'm doing a little bit of photography. You know, I'm trying to have, you know, great relationships with friends and family. Um, and, you know, sometimes that can sound like I have it all together and that it's all happening in the way that it's supposed to happen for me every day. And that's just not the case. And so I, I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that I said, you know, that, you know, it, it is not easy, right? And it's not easy for us to juggle all of these things. And the importance of having, you know, close friends and family members and partners and husbands and boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, to talk through these things with you and to to bounce ideas off of and to give you some sanity. I was listening to Michelle Obama's podcast yesterday. She did an interview mm-hmm. with her good, her, one of her good friends, and she revealed, and this made national news today, that you know she's dealing with a little bit of low grade depression as she, you know, deals with this pandemic and deals with the racial, yeah. the injustices. I mean, she said that, and like I, I feel that, you know, I feel that. And you look at Michelle Obama, and you're like, she's got it all together. I mean, first of all, mm-hmm. she's married to Barack Obama, and I mean, like, <laughs> right? You know, you're like you have this great partner and this great life, and you wrote this great book, and now you have this podcast, and yet she's still saying, you know, how 
um, she's struggling. And I think that's important to talk about and important to identify and to really um, look at ways that we can support each other and lift each other up through these challenging times and beyond. Because it's not, there's always yes. going to be challenges. It might not be a pandemic, but it's going to be something. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention is with that as well is, you know, you know, I, I think I do a great job at work. I hope I do a great job at work. But, you know, there's this thing called the imposter syndrome. And there's some days I've had days and I, I don't often talk about this publicly for sure, but I think it's important. And this was something I read in Cecilia Munoz's book, uh, More Than Ready or listen to. I actually listened to her book. Um, but she talks about imposter syndrome and how you're like, how did I get here? And how am I even doing this right? And do I belong here? And, you know, I sit in a room sometimes or did sit in a room or sit on Zoom calls now with people with PhDs, right? And who have extensive research in, in XYZ topic. And I'm like, how am I here? I don't have a PhD. I have a, you know, business degree. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, um, and, and I can remember her saying in the book, reading or listening to her say in the book that you, you do belong. You're more than ready. There's a reason why you're there or in this position. It's not an accident. And we can talk about, you know, that God places you there. And people trust you and people believe that you can, and I'm kind of talking to myself here, (laughs) people believe that Mm -hmm. you can do it and people believe that you'll be successful. And I think about the little girl, again, who sat in the chair in my office before we all came home. Um, who said, I trust you to, to, to get this right, Candace. I trust mm-hmm. you um, as a woman and a Black woman. And I said to myself then, and I remind myself of that conversation when I get this like imposter syndrome, um, that, that that's how um, people look at me and that's how people view me. And they're trusting me to, to do this. And, um, and I do belong and I'm more than ready. And so um, those are just a couple of nuggets that I wanted to end with and and say not all easy (laughs) no definitely not all easy and that it's really great that you ended with the imposter syndrome because I think most of us experience that as as we go along and especially as we continue to do more challenging and things and we continue to grow and I like to just embrace it it just means that you are growing beyond um, your comfort zone And so the fact that you feel that means that you are on the right track and you definitely are worthy. You're definitely doing us all proud and everything that you do. And I'm so grateful that you have accepted the challenges that um, have been placed on you and where God has placed you because we're all better off for it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. And uh, yes, I'm proud. I'm a blessed woman and and I'm proud of where I am and will continue to, to try to do uh, do good work. And as John Lewis says, uh, good trouble, stay in good trouble. <laughs> yep. Yeah, stay in good trouble. Okay, so um, lastly, where can listeners reach out to you? What's your uh, social yeah. social media handles? Yes, yeah, sorry about that. On Twitter, I am at JustCandace1. Uh, and I have a private Twitter profile, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I will accept some folks from there. Um, <laughs> folks can certainly email me at um, cdodreed at gmail.com. And then on Facebook, I am Candace Dodson Reed on Facebook. And so you can find me there as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for agreeing to this interview. And of course, we'll be talking. Uh, we talk frequently, but yes. uh, this has been <laughs> a wonderful interview. And thank you. Well, thank That was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Candice, for joining us. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. If you want to reach out to her, please feel free to re- reach out to her on her social media tags. And thank you for soaring with us. If you want to reach me, send a question for Ask the Coach, please send an email to coachstephanie at myurban95.com. And if you want to check out my coaching business, go to www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. I want to leave you with some parting motivation. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So remember, the change happens in your mind first before it manifests in your life. To overcome your circumstances, 
Think the thoughts you would think if you were already where you want to be and you'll be there before you know it. 